All right, welcome to Rock Vegas, everybody. It's Glenn Rockney. Uh, sad to say that the Raiders lost to the Chiefs on Sunday. Uh, really close game. Really, really good back and forth game. Uh, came down to the last possession. And, uh, well, when you give Mahomes the last possession of the game and your defense isn't very good and your defense is out of position on one play and Travis Kelsey's found wide open in the end zone, you know, that, that, that tends to leave a, you know, a sour mood over a otherwise really good game. But um, I, I will say I, I didn't want to record this podcast uh, immediately after last night. One, because it was late. Normally Raiders play at uh, 10 a.m. or 1 p.m. my time. So I can usually sit on it for a couple hours, do a podcast, put it out that evening. Um, but, you know, last night it was didn't really want to do it right after the game. Because uh, that was already the emotional roller coaster, and I uh, wanted to sit on it for a little bit, and I'm glad I did. But the Raiders lost, right? The Raiders lost to the Chiefs. Uh, they split season series, which I think we all would have signed up for at the beginning of the year. And, uh, you know, it just came down to one of those times where the defense played pretty well the first uh, matchup against Kansas City, right, at Arrowhead. Uh, the Chiefs were holding the ball a lot longer in that matchup, um, and that led to some pressure from the defensive line. Now, in this matchup, uh, the Chiefs coming off a bye, right? So we, we do have to use this as a qualifier. You're playing a Patrick Mahomes-led team, an Andy Reid-led team coming off of a bye, where Andy Reid just really doesn't lose off of a bye. Um, and, you know, one of those reasons is Andy Reid, makes really good adjustments, especially off coming off the bye to a team that they've already played to a team that the chiefs were, let's be real. They were mad at the Raiders, which I said in the preview show was kind of a good thing because that means the rivalry is back on. And that means they at least respect you as somebody or see you as a threat when they get that mad about it. Nobody gets that mad about like a three and 12 team, right? You know what I'm saying? So a three and 13 team, nobody gets mad and, you know, it's kind of obsessive in the media about a team unless they're somewhat equal. So I think the Raiders showed that this game, but it was just too much. Andy Reid really, Andy Reid was in his bag. They were getting the bottom Mahomes hand very quick to Tyreek Hill early. Tyreek Hill had a bunch of catches early and the Raiders just couldn't do much, right? It's tough to stop that guy, you know, in general, but when he's, especially when he gets the ball in his hand after just a second and a half, you don't have a chance to get a rush. And let's be real, the Raiders are not the best tackling defense, and Tyreek Hill's one of the toughest guys to tackle in, in the league. So they didn't really have an answer for that early. Uh, Cl Clyde Edwards-Elaire had a lot better game on the ground than he did in the first game. And it uh, looked like they were going against a well-rested, well, you know, team that practiced together. You know, I know they didn't have Mitchell Schwartz, so that's something. But the Raiders also didn't have Cleveland Furl. And... Uh, Raiders didn't have a lot of their defense that week, and I, I didn't think that was going to be as much of an uh, excuse, and I, I still don't use it as a huge excuse because I still think when the Raiders were missing all their offensive line starters the week uh, of the Tampa game, I thought that was still a bigger impact on the team. But nonetheless, like I said, Mahomes was getting rid of the ball quick, um, extending the play when he needed to, and you know when he extends the play and then just throws it across, across his body and completes the pass and converts the third down sometimes you're just like what the hell do we do and honestly this game I thought it was a game where the Raiders were going to have to outscore the Chiefs and I mean like just 
shootout. Whoever gets the ball last has the best chance. And the Raiders technically got the ball last, but there was 30 seconds left in the game. I think maybe one timeout or no timeout, something like that. So, you know, I don't want to shit too hard on the defense, man. I, I don't think it's – look, it's not good. I will never tell you this defense is good. Uh, one thing I like to see was them beating up on teams like Denver, bad offenses. They were playing well against bad offenses. Uh, but they're still going to struggle against good offenses, especially, like I said, a well-rested, um, pissed-off offense. And really what the Raiders need in this game, and it, and it you know it sounds weird to put it all up to this, but they needed a little bit of luck. Needed a tip ball to fall in somebody's hands, you know? Fumble going their way, you know? Something, something weird, block punt. They needed something like that in this game. And they just didn't get it. So, with all that said, at the end, the Raiders could have stopped Mahomes one last time and won the game. Now, there are two ways that they could have stopped Mahomes. One was, you know, play four consecutive downs where they don't get a first down, right? That, that's the toughest one, and I honestly didn't see that coming uh, with uh, the Chiefs running the two-minute drill at the end. I thought they'd get some kind of points. But what can happen is the touchdown. The touchdown to Kelsey, wide open, and that, that can't happen. You, you can't give that up to a team like that. It's like you almost, even though we didn't have the all-22 at the time, you just saw Mahomes' eyes light up when he threw it. And it's like, as soon as he kind of did that running throw where he's moving forward, I was like, oh, no, he's got somebody. He's got somebody. And it was Travis Kelsey, and he was in his own area code. And uh, it was bad. It was bad. Uh, that was that was the game. And turns out, you know, you could tell right away from, like, the closest replay was Jonathan Abram was so – out of position, so just completely lacked discipline. And Abram just completely left his zone, the zone that would have helped Travis Kelsey, at least, you know, make the throw a little bit tougher if he stays back. Who knows? Maybe they, maybe Mahomes still just works a throw in there. You don't know. But if you look at the All-22, and I saw Ted Wynn post it today, the clip, Abram is like trying to run from 20 yards deep trying to run up to tackle to put a like a huge hit on Mahomes where let's be real Mahomes is a smart guy he's going to slide before Abram gets to him and and the rest is history right if if Mahomes runs up slides even if he's at the 15 yard line 10 yard line you still at least make them use that last time out and then you, you just take whatever happens right maybe they settle for a field goal maybe they try one shot at the end zone something but that can't happen and this is kind of becoming a dilemma with Jonathan Abram. He, he's one of those love-hate guys where he'll make an incredible play. Look, before the play where he, you know, blew coverage and, and the game, honestly, he made a great open field tackle to get them in that position, right? Made a great open field tackle. Had a couple other really good open field tackles earlier in that game. Man, in coverage, he, he just has no discipline. No discipline. And, and he's kind of playing just off of athleticism and instinct right now, but the instinct isn't sharp enough to cover for him making mistakes, right? For him to improvise like that. And, and 
it's weird because as a warrior fan, I bring up some warrior analogies on here. Sorry to anybody that's not a fan, but uh, he kind of reminds me of Draymond Green. And I think that's what he's going to end up being. And, and hopefully he is as good of an impact defender as Draymond Green. But when I say it the way I remember Draymond Green with the Warriors, he's had some of the worst things I've ever seen. I remember you know, kicking everybody in the nuts like, what the hell are you doing, man? Like just technicals, double technical, like just, just you know, second technical, flagrant twos. He's done all kinds of stuff like that. But he would make some of the most brilliant plays, right? Stripping the ball out before the layup went up. All these great plays. And I think Jonathan Abram has that quality to him. And, and look, that might end up being like an incredible box safety, you know? But I'm not sure the coverage is ever going to be there. And one thing about Abram is, is look, I, I remember Raider fans – a little bit myself got kind of frustrated with like the PFF, um, a lot of the analytics department, uh, a lot, a lot of analytics, uh, stat, whatever draft grade type things where, where they grade based off positional value a lot. Now the Raiders had three first round picks in 2019. They took a pass rusher that doesn't really rush the passer all that well, really good run defender, but you know, at fourth overall, not ideal. They took a running back, a great one. A great one. So this isn't uh, uh, Michael LaShore or something like that, but it's still a running back in the first round. Usually that's that's a bit high for the running back. And then they took a box safety at 27. And I remember a lot of Raider fans went to bat defending the picks, man. Hey, oh, Abram's a dog. Oh, man, da, da, da. Josh Jacobs off. Oh, you guys wish you had Josh Jacobs. Clue and Farrell's going to develop. So, yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe all those might be true, you know. But right now I can kind of see some of the critics – being right about Abram and if you're going to be that box safety you're going to have to be perfect at it to make that impact on the team because if you're not covering down the field which I actually think Abram's better as a help safety right roaming kind of roaming almost a, a free safety kind of thing because I just I don't know I, I'm not sure I see it when he's got to just cover intermediate routes it, it's just not there and look he's a rookie and here's the actual improvement I could see a Jonathan Abram making now, I could see Jonathan Abram becoming a little bit smarter in the way he deploys himself, right? When he kind of launches like a missile. I could see himself being a little more methodical in when he decides to do that. But I do not see him becoming a great coverage safety. You know? And what he's going to have to do is he's going to have to force fumbles, you know? Force fumbles, tip balls in the air, things like that. Make plays because right now it's not enough and, and it's, it's hurting the team. It's hurting the team. I, I get it. He didn't have a rookie season. I get it that it, there's a virtual offseason. He's, he's kind of had a weird road to it, but it shouldn't be this bad because there are rookie safeties that are playing well. Look at Julian Blackman, guys like that. They're playing well. So, look, Abram, I, I, I saw a lot of kind of discussion about him on the on the timeline today, and, and some – some people were going crazy hard on Abram, and some people were like, no, bro, he's still really good. And then they have like a Jonathan Abram Avi and stuff. I'm like, all right, all right, man. But look, I don't I don't think he's terrible. I don't think he's trash. But something's got to change. And, and, you know, maybe this was a, a moment this big because this is his first blunder that's like cost the game. And yet you hope it's his last. You hope that that character that he was drafted for, that alpha dog mentality, you hope that that was something that he 
really takes this to heart. You know what I mean? And I, and I don't doubt he has passion for the game, but the alpha dog played like a beta yesterday. I'm sorry. I hate to say it. I hate to say it. <sighs> so yeah, NFL offense is too good against, against safeties that play like that. Mahomes just basically, uh, acted like he was going to run, took a few steps forward. John Abr- Jonathan Abram just fell for it completely, right? So that can't happen, and I think teams are going to do that more and more until until Abram proves he can stay disciplined. Another problem on the defense is just is they're not getting pressure. Raiders are not getting pressure on the quarterback. Again, people are saying, whoa, what about, you know, Dayton Jones and guys like that against Kansas City the first time? Look, one – Kansas City didn't play well on offense, but they also held the ball a lot longer, allowed guys to get home into the backfield. Um, and, and it seemed like, you know, they weren't – they were getting rid of the ball at a decent rate, which basically rendered the Raiders' defensive line useless. Um, and, and I'm not sure exactly what the solution is. And and today – this is Monday evening when I'm recording it. So the Raiders have brought in uh, Tack McKinley – and Vic Beasley uh, signed them both. I believe both to the practice squad, if I'm not mistaken. I think Tack McKinley still has to pass his physical, which this would be – he's already failed two of them for other teams, so I'm not quite sure what the plan is there. Maybe things changed. Who knows? But uh, I don't think either of these guys make this defensive line good. Um, but I'm always down to, hey, throw names at it to see see what can happen because uh, something's – they got to just be a little more disruptive. Um so let's talk Tack McKinley. Tack McKinley, uh, UCLA guy, definitely uh, made it known he didn't like being in Atlanta uh, this year. Uh, all over Twitter, talking about trade me. You passed me up, passed up a second round pick for me last year. Now you're not going to get nothing. What the hell? Um, so eventually they got rid of him. I uh, believe he was on the Niners for a little bit, and then that that didn't last. Uh, and I will say Tack McKinley, I, I think – I think I'm I'm curious about him because I do think he actually can be a contributor. Um, I think it's worth well worth a gamble, but um, you know I don't expect much. But I, there's definitely something I could see uh, in his game. Right, he has been good. I think 2017 had a really nice season, and uh, I, I think there's something to his game. So I, I like bringing him in. Uh, Vic Beasley, I, I don't see it. I think Vic Beasley is like oh I'm like it's basically trading for what the Raiders already have. Just guys that are play with Velcro, like they're covered in Velcro, uh, just stuck to offensive linemen, not getting off the ball. That's Vic Beasley. Vic Beasley had one crazy year where he had happened to be unblocked on almost every play or getting sacks past two and a half seconds, uh, which that's kind of what Max Crosby does now. So, (laughs) you know, and uh, Vic Beasley doesn't finish the way Max Crosby finishes. So, uh, Vic Beasley, I don't expect from much at all. Again, not really super consequential. It's not like a harmful signing. I just don't get your hopes up. It's not going to happen with him. But uh, I can see Tack McKinley actually making some plays if they can get him in shape. Uh, let's go to the secondary, though. Because here's the thing about the secondary is, is that it, I can't say that they're, that they're playing, like, super well. But I like what I see. Okay, Trayvon Mullen had a really nice game after uh, not having the greatest year this year. He had already given up a few touchdowns, uh, more than he had done last year. I think he got one touchdown last year, uh, and that's per B.D. Williams charting. And uh, he, he he played well, got the really – that interception he had was huge, 
is absolutely huge uh basically at the end of the half because the Chiefs were going to score a touchdown there. They they should have too. I know it's kind of a miscommunication there, but they should have had a touchdown there. They didn't, and that really, really kept the Raiders in that game. Especially after that failed drive, right after the failed drive on offense, which I'll, I'll get to later, uh, which ended up being a you know a penalty pushing the Raiders back, having to kick a field goal. Um, but I I like I like this this secondary. I mean uh, the corners at least. Uh, I saw Isaiah Johnson making some plays. Man, he had a really big play on third down. Uh, Nevin Lawson he hasn't had a bad game in a while. He really hasn't. Like he's 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 played well. I mean, I, look that Browns game. He gave up a couple big plays, but he's he's done well. And uh, Damon Arnett. Uh, it's funny. So he he got. Numbers wise, he got torched. Numbers wise, but I find myself like kind of impressed by him because he was he was in every play, not scared of anyone, going against the best of the best on Travis Kelsey a lot. Um, I think he had a bullshit PI call on him on an uncatchable ball, and and wasn't much contact initiated by him anyways uh, for the Chiefs' second touchdown. So I, I kind of like what I see out of Arnett. Now, he can tackle too, and 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 we all knew that. But there's something there with him. And I wasn't a huge fan of the pick at the time, but there's there's something. And uh, I don't think he played as bad as that stat sheet shows. I, I don't know. Uh, I'll let the film guys break it down. He didn't grade well in PFF at all. Um, but I found myself, you know, in the in the plays I saw where he got targeted, I I, I found myself impressed because he was there. And that's kind of for me, like being a corner is, is if you're there, I trust you to at least eventually start making plays, especially as a rookie. So they, they will, I think, I think, uh, I think Arnett and Mullins a, is a nice one, especially with Lawson because Lawson's playing well right now. And Isaiah Johnson, I, I you know, I can't say he's great, but I, I think he's playing pretty well. So um, secondary, I, I, I just have this, this odd hope for, maybe I'm wrong, but I have this odd hope that it's actually going to be really good eventually. So again, that was look, the defense is a dumpster fire. I mean, it just it isn't good. Um, got lit up by Mahomes and Reed, which I kind of expected that. And I just wanted to see if the Raiders could keep up with that. And they did. They did. The offense was great. Uh, and I just start with Derek Carr. I these last two games, Derek Carr has played so well. Like, look at the Bronco game, he had three touchdowns dropped, in my opinion. Three touchdowns. Um, Raiders had some more drops, which I'll get to, but man, Carr, just that play, um, it was in the first half where he's getting pressured big time and he just dumps the ball, like lobs it to Derek carrier kind of blindly, but hits get carrier perfectly in stride. Carrier makes a guy miss, gets the first down and just how comfortable Carr looks. My biggest thing about Carr in the last couple of years is he just hasn't looked comfortable in the pocket at all and when anything breaks down he just kind of like oh oh what what's what do i do here and then you know maybe a fumble just just completely like uh cave in you know but he's breaking the pocket he's really like decisive to uh stepping up making big throws had that one uh, first drive of the game where he just ripped it in there to Aguilar, just just a rope down the middle of the field and it was it was he got going early, and I was hoping, look, man, I'm going to need four quarters of this, and, and that's what we got. That's what we got out of Derek Carr. Uh, he was phenomenal. Uh, I thought they 
the game plan to get Waller uh, good volume in the passing game, um, working Aguilar. Uh, I thought it was good. Um, they, they didn't have a great day running the football, but that that's it. Just seemed like the passing game was was priority against the Chiefs, and and I and I agree. The way people were getting open, people were getting separation, and, and Carr was hitting them. So so why not? Um, so yeah, Carr, man, I did not I did not see this coming this year, and I'll say it every week because I'm truly truly impressed the way he's played. He is he's not missing a lot of throws this year. And there's a couple drops that happened on good throws by Carr. Like he hit Aguilar kind of low, but that was where the ball needed to be. And Aguilar has to catch that ball. Ingold, right? First two drops I've ever seen Ingold have. Maybe he's had them before, but I, this is all I I remember. Two bad drops. Two bad drops. And um, if if there was to be a, a criticism on, on for offense... It's not the one that people are saying because I, I I'll get to the one people are saying, but for me it's just the drops. They're becoming a thing, and it, and I'm kind of kind of sick of it already. Like you, they, this really can't become a thing with this team. The offense is too good to be dropping pl- passes like this, leaving points on the board. Um, you know, Aguilar had a big one that was I thought was kind of a drive killer. You know, and and uh, Ingold too, just uh, just really really drive killing penalties on an otherwise perfect offensive day. And, and you know that just car at the end, of, at the end of the, at the end of the game, like it was classic, you know, hitting Witten on the side, rolling out, throwing a strike in there. Um, the play to get that Waller really, the chiefs busted coverage on. I thought that was a really well-designed play by John Gruden to get Waller in the back of the end zone. Um, and then he dropped one in the bucket. It was a very similar to uh, Crabtree uh, throw at Baltimore uh, in 2016. Nelson Aguilar got his feet down. And it's funny because a lot of people want Henry Ruggs more involved. I mean, I'd like to see it too. But I, I, I just wonder, the people asking this, do you want to see Henry Ruggs get involved because you think it makes the offense better? Or are you just trying to get some return out of that 12th overall pick and you're sweating seeing Justin Jefferson, uh, seeing Jerry Judy, seeing uh, Chase Claypool, guys like that balling T. Higgins right now? Are you, are you mad at that and you kind of want to be able to, hey, my guy's good too? Because I think those are two different concerns, right? I, I'm a little bit concerned that the 12th overall pick is uh, not the, a contributor, just a little bit. But this is an offense on a winning team, six and four. A lot of these rookie wide receivers, shout out Marcus Johnson. He, I, I think he originally had this take is that a lot of these guys on rookie offenses, they're on bad teams, like really bad teams. Teams where they're passing the ball a lot. Teams where they have to pass the ball, right? The Bengals, not good. Vikings, not good. So when you see these rookie wide receivers going crazy, you know, Broncos, not good. You see these rookie wide receivers going crazy on these other teams. You have to look at the scenario. And I think as Raider fans, we are used to just like, oh, this is the rookie that we drafted. They're going to have to be starters on this team, and they're going to have to be huge contributors for this to be a good pick. Year one. But that's not always the case with, with good teams. And we know with Gruden's offense, he's going to trust the veterans more. And I've seen some people, I was talking to some people on Twitter today, and they say, Okay, well, the question I posed, I said, if you want Ruggs more involved, who do you take targets away from? 
right? To get Ruggs more involved. And the answer I saw was one was Nelson Aguilar. Here's why I don't want to take uh, targets away from Nelson Aguilar right now. Uh, Aguilar can get separation deep and is really good outside against press. And Ruggs is not there yet. Ruggs isn't there yet. And he Aguilar tracks the ball better. He, look, he has drops, but on those deep balls, he's been pretty damn good at bringing the ball in. And I'm not sure Ruggs is quite there yet on tracking the ball because he was not a super, you know, heavily used as a deep threat at Alabama. So this is going to be a new thing that he's learning. Then the other person that people are saying, hey, take, take targets away is Ingold. And Ingold I got mad at. That one I got really mad at. Ingold had two drops last game. And they were, they were, they were bad drops. Uh, I love the Alec Ingold plays in this offense. I love when they're able to get Ingold outside, throw it to him almost like in a screen, and he's one-on-one with a DB. I love that. That is like a guaranteed eight yards. I don't want to take that away. Now, one thing I'd like to see, if you are going to take away, you know, targets or or carries from people is that maybe limit it in the run game right maybe take some wear and tear off jacobs by running rugs on a couple more of those jet sweeps try it till they stop it because they don't stop it right i know you can't do it every play and when it gets sniffed out it gets stopped bad and it looks ugly but damn man almost every rugs jet sweep is like a 10 to 12 yard game so i think he can help out in the run game right now and the screen game you know but i i just don't want the one time I saw them kind of force feeding rugs, look, the first week against Carolina, that looked good, right? I liked them on those, uh, on those drag routes and crossers. Um, but I remember them trying to force the ball deep to rugs against Tampa. I think that was his first game back. And it just didn't, the Raiders got out of their element. And I remember being on this podcast, like, let's get back to the short game, you know? So I don't want them to force feed Henry rugs just to validate the 12th overall pick. Right. That's something we can look back on at the end of the year and be like, uh, who knows, you know, right? But I don't like I don't like the whole idea that that other guys who have been really contributing on this offense, Nelson Aguilar, Alec Ingold, they don't deserve to see the ball as much anymore because because of the twelfth overall pick. That's not the way you run a football team, right? You run a football team based off guys that are contributing right now, helping you win right now because this is a team that can win right now. <sighs> This team is good. The Raiders are good. And I'm glad I waited to do this podcast, right? I'm glad I waited to do it because I, look, I wanted them to to hang with the Chiefs. Listen to my preview episode. It was almost exactly the way I predicted it. I said, this was going to be a shootout and it's going to come down to probably the last possession and it could be a heartbreaking loss or a thrilling win. And it was a heartbreaking loss. You know what I mean? But it didn't hurt that bad. You know why? Because I think this team's good. Look, they're six and four this year. They were six and four this time last year. It was such a different six and four. Look at the opponent's winning percentage of who they were, the Raiders were beating last year. And look, they had a they had a pretty good tough schedule, right? But they were beating teams like Detroit um, and and stuff like that. Beating teams like Chicago, who were a winning team at the time, ended up not really being a winning team later in the season. And uh, yeah, so. And and they weren't winning convincingly against the bad teams. They had, went down to last possession against Detroit, right? They beat the brakes off Denver this year. The Raiders losing to the Chiefs the way they did 
that's just a tough, a tough loss. Makes for a really good game. Listen to the national media right now. They're like, look, I came away more impressed with the Raiders than I thought I'd be. This is the Chiefs coming off of a bye week. I can't say it enough. Chiefs coming off a bye. Andy Reid coming off a bye. And the Raiders held their own. And for a time, looked like they'd win this game. So this team is good. It's different from last year. And I know that John Gruden tends to struggle in the month of December. November is almost over. I know that Derek Carr last year did not play the same in the second half of the season. But this loss, Derek Carr played his, played his ass off. John Gruden called a really nice game, I thought, too. Um, definitely with that field goal, I, I remember Gruden saying he was going to kick the field goal either way. Um, I kind of disagree with that a little bit, uh, being fourth and two on the goal line when your offense is humming. I, I would have going against the Chiefs. I would have liked to see him go for it. But most of the time, I, I felt pretty good about what Gruden was doing. Uh, I thought the play calling was really nice. Uh, I thought they uh, it kind of looked like a almost like Carr was doing a Gannon impression. Like just that offense kind of looked like that to me. So I don't see the offense slowing down because I thought it would have happened against the Chiefs. And last year, the offense fell off a cliff. And the defense stayed bad. Now, here's what could make this loss hurt for me, right? This Chiefs loss. Because I feel that the two games against the Chiefs were huge turning points for the Raiders, right? Week five, Raiders were two and two. They lose that game, especially in like convincing fashion where they lose by like 10, you know, 14 points. Uh, never really in it for most of the game, gar- scoring in garbage time. Uh if they lose that game, you're kind of like, oh, the Raiders are two and three and got some bad, got a bad loss, uh, not really showing they can hang with really, really good teams. But no, they won that game, right? And that gave you that a little extra sense of confidence. Like, look, this team can compete. And I feel the same way about this game, right? Raiders hung with them. Casey off a of bye, Reed. Uh, offense played incredible. Defense was just a player two away from from doing it themselves, right? But uh, the way this Chiefs loss can hurt is if the Falcons and the Jets find ways to beat the Raiders. That's how this loss hurts. That's when this loss becomes one of those turning points of the season, right? Where if the defense really just, like, gives up 40 to the Falcons and, you know, they lose to the Falcons, right? And the offense turns the ball over. Or if the Jets do what the Jets did to the Raiders last year, which, hey, it's in the back of my mind, too. And I hope the Jets win a game before they play the Raiders because I don't want to play a winless team. Everyone remembers that Raiders 0-10 team. You're, you're always, they're always going to beat that team they shouldn't. So if the Raiders lose to the Falcons or the Jets, because they got to win both these games, right? You want to be 8-4 and four after these two next two games. Then you can, you know then you start really feeling like, oh, no, this sucks. So a Chiefs loss by itself, it's not bad. It's not bad at all, especially in the the fashion it happened. But a loss to the Falcons or the Jets and or the Jets, ugh, ruins it. Season's done if that happens. Not making the playoffs if that happens. But you look at the rest of their schedule. These are all, they're all winnable games. Even the games against the Colts and the Dolphins, right? Dolphins look like trash against Denver. Colts battled the Packer team, and they probably shouldn't have won that game either. They have the tiebreaker over Cleveland. 
They have no excuse to not be a playoff team. There is no excuse. Everybody's injured right now. Everybody's got people on the COVID list every week. Everybody has to deal with that. So let's just hope the Raiders come back, you know, playing the same kind of offense they did. If they play the same game they played against the Chiefs, against the Falcons, they're going to win. Same with the Jets. So that's what's good is they don't really have to improve to win the next two games. Just don't shit the bed. On that note, that's all I got for you guys this week. Um, again, tough loss, but put it in perspective, okay? Put it in perspective. Six and four team, three and one in the division. Should go five and one in the division. There's no reason to lose to the Broncos or Chargers again. Um, and this should be a playoff team. I believe it is a playoff team, and I believe it will be a playoff team. Starts next week against the Falcons. So I'm at Glenn Rockney. This is Rock Vegas Podcast. Uh, it's part of the Rare Candy Podcast channel on YouTube. Um, you can subscribe to this podcast podcast on Spotify, iTunes, uh, SoundCloud, um, and again, YouTube, right? So if you're watching this right now, subscribe to the channel, um, Rare Candy Podcast. Uh, speaking of Rare Candy Pod, we just uh, dropped an episode today about uh, Bill Gates and the upcoming uh, coronavirus vaccine, so COVID-19. So if you want to check that out, that's on there. We had a special guest, uh, Serena Farb. Really, really good, fun episode. Um, definitely an alternative view on things than you're normally hearing if you're consuming uh, mainstream media. But uh, again, if you're joining me just for Raiders football, uh, I do this twice a week. Um, shout out to everybody who's been watching. And uh, I'm, ready, I'm ready for a win this weekend. Let's get a win. I'll have a preview show for you guys later. Uh, thanks again for tuning in. I really appreciate it. And uh, ask me questions anytime. I know I, I post the mailbag stuff, but just ask me questions anytime. If it's a good question, I'll answer it on here. All right, guys. That's it.